coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and now at the Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Hometown Stories. It means a lot to us. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you shared us with a friend, left us a review, or subscribed to Hometown Stories. That way, you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode. You can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com. We'd love to hear your hometown story. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. It's been several months since Afghans started fleeing their home country after Taliban takeover. So far, close to 90 of them have found a new home in Southwest Virginia. What's the transition been like? And what challenges do the refugees face as even more are expected to arrive. In this episode of Hometown Stories, we're checking in with the Executive Director of Commonwealth Catholic Charities on their resettlement efforts. So here for an update, joining me virtually today, Jay Brown, CEO of Commonwealth Catholic Charities. Jay, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's first talk about, if you can, um, just walk us through what exactly Commonwealth Catholic Charities um, throughout Virginia will do as refugees begin heading here. Absolutely. So we we have offices, of course, in Roanoke, here in Richmond, and also in in Newport News, where we accept newly arrived refugees. Um, And we've been doing that for, for over 10 years now. And um, as the, the the Afghan crisis started to unfold, we knew that we were going to be able, be in, I think, well positioned to be able to provide assistance to a number of, of newly arrived folks who were evacuated from from their from their homes in Afghanistan. So our our work, our ministry, when we start out, we 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 meet uh, individuals. We're we're aware of their arrival. You know, sometimes a few weeks in advance, sometimes a few days in advance. And our job is to, to meet them at the airport and really kind of begin the process of, of helping that family to rebuild their, their entire life here uh, in, in Virginia. Um, so it's everything from identifying an apartment to uh, enrolling children in school, helping moms and dads prepare to enter the workforce um, and you know reacquire all the things that a family would need to really uh, thrive and survive uh, here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So it's really a matter of getting in touch with someone understanding what those needs are and really helping them rebuild everything right here in Virginia. Obviously, like I said, we had a lot of attention initially when so many Afghans were having to leave. Um, Do we know at this point over this, you know, last couple of months, how many of those Afghan refugees settled generally in Virginia and maybe how many specifically came to Southwest Virginia? Sure. So uh, through our organization, and there are a number that that serve throughout Virginia. We we have offices, like I said, in Richmond, Newport News, and Roanoke. Um, through through our services, we resettled 477 of those Afghan evacuees to date. That's uh, special immigrant visa holders, as well as uh, non-special immigrant visa holders who were uh, granted 
um, the ability to be in the country due to the, the, the high risk uh, to them and their families back, back home. So uh, 477 have come through our service across Virginia. And then uh, right there in our Roanoke office, we've resettled 88 individuals um, came uh, from Afghanistan through the, the processing that happened on those military bases um, and then ultimately arrived uh, there in Southwest Virginia. We do anticipate uh, some more. Uh, we don't exactly know the, the final number that we'll wind up resettling with the Afghan effort. Um, but to date, right there in Roanoke, Virginia, it's 88. And we're, we're certainly, um, you know, hoping to be able to assist as many folks as we possibly can. If you are just now joining us here on the WDBJ7 Plus Digital News Desk, my guest is Jay Brown, CEO of Commonwealth Catholic Charities. We are talking about the resettlement of Afghan refugees over the last couple of months following the uh, crisis unfold uh, several months ago. Um, Jay, so you talked about, you know, meeting those folks directly at the airport, checking in with them, making sure that they have what they need. The folks who are working on the ground with them, meeting them at these local airports, what are they hearing from the refugees about their experience to get to the United States and some of the things that they, some of those immediate needs they have once they arrive? I mean, I think that there's, there's obviously a, a deep sense of, of, of loss, I think, you know, from, from the experience, you know, having to leave everything behind, family members, friends, businesses. Um, and, and, you know, really coming to the United States to, to restart their life. So often we find that, that when uh, a family does come to a place like Roanoke or here in Richmond or, or Newport News, you know, the reason why they're winding up in those final locations is because they do have family connections. So that there, there is this, you know, strong uh, sense of, of kind of return um, and that we are quickly able to kind of rebuild the relationships and the social supports that are necessary to really help people, you know, round out, you know, the, all of the things that, that, a, that a person needs. Um, but I think that there's, you know, so there's certainly that loss. There's certainly, um, you know, a lot of trauma that's gone into the process, you know, leading them, leading families to where they are today. But there really is a tremendous amount of optimism and hope and really an understanding um, that the opportunities that 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 um, those families will have here in in Virginia and Roanoke um, and some of our other locations um, will really be tremendous for them. So people are, you know, just expressing this deep sense of gratitude for the work that 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 our our staff are doing, and certainly, um, you know, a deep sense of grat gratitude to the community as a whole for really rallying and making sure that that we have the resources and the supplies and the materials that we need to make sure that this transition is smooth. Um, for the families that are coming to us. Uh, we do have some uh, pictures to share as well of some of the ways in which uh, Commonwealth Catholic Charities has been helping, uh, particularly here in Roanoke. Um, so Jay, I wonder if you could walk us through some of these things that uh, your staff and your volunteers are doing to help make that transition easier, not just meeting maybe some of those immediate needs when it comes to maybe paperwork and finding a place to live, but um, working with the community as well, specifically, like you said, walk us through some of what you've seen. Yeah, so we, I mean, we just have a tremendous amount of volunteers and people who have reached out and really, you know, really offered to make sure that we have everything that we need. So on the screen right now, you see those backpacks and where, you know, one of the first things that we do with young people with kids is make sure that people get enrolled in school. So the public schools, Roanoke Catholic out there in Roanoke have just been tremendously supportive, making sure that the, that the children that we're serving um, have access to everything that they need to start up at school and, and really get integrated into the community. 
Um, you know, volunteers have made sure that we have bed limit, bed limit linens for apartments, you know, volunteer groups are making sure uh, that we have some extra muscle to, to move things into apartments um, so that, that families really have everything that they need from day one. So uh, there's been a tremendous outpouring of support um, from, from people in Roanoke and really across our service area. Um, and we even see, saw a tremendous outpouring of support from, from people outside of Virginia, knowing that we were right here so close to those bases. Um, that really making sure that we had those supplies that were necessary so that people could, you know, move into apartment and really just not have to worry about, um, you know, having the little things like plates and forks and knives and just, you know, everything that goes into setting up a, a new apartment. So um, it's, it's, it's really been remarkable. Um, and, and we're really certainly proud and grateful of all the support that we've received. And we know that, you know, there's still a heavy lift to come, making sure that people really do um, you know, get into the workforce and really, you know, round out all of those needs that someone need, you know, all of the needs that an individual or a family has um, when it comes to really thriving in our community. So um, we're, we're looking forward to additional support and an additional partnership to come, um, but we're certainly grateful for everything that we've received from the community so far. Yeah, t taking off from there, a lot of progress, it sounds like, has been made, um, you know, through the community partners and the volunteers. Uh, what challenges uh, still exist or what what work still remains to be done, not only for you guys, but maybe what are some of the, um, you know, just sort of the individual challenges that you may be hearing about from the refugees themselves? So the biggest challenges that, that, that we see, um, and, and there are two of them, you know, it, it's housing, um, finding affordable housing that has, that, you know, close proximity to transportation, that has close proximity towards, you know, grocery stores and all the things that somebody would need um, to begin to navigate the community. So affordable housing is, is principal need number one. And the second is really making sure that we have partnerships and deep, deep relationships with employers who are willing to, you know, work with some of these, these individuals who in a lot of cases are, are, are very well skilled. Um, who come to the United States having worked with the U.S. military in Iraq, in, in, in Afghanistan, forgive me, for a number of years, and certainly come with, a, with, with trades and the ability to actually um, really, I think, contribute on day one. So um, we, we, need, we need more relationships with employers. We need more relationships with landlords. Um, so if, if there is anybody out there who, who has some capacity there, has some uh, referrals that they'd like to make in, in, in either of those spaces, those are our two biggest needs that we continue to see um, coming back over and over again is stronger relationships with employers and again, the access to affordable housing. How are you all also working to mitigate the challenges uh, being thrown at everybody because of the ongoing pandemic and the supply chain issues? Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, one of the, 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 the biggest efforts, one of the baseline, you know, parts of our program within the refugee resettlement program is to um, really make sure that people understand how to navigate uh, the medical system here in the United States. Certainly, it's a tremendously different uh, entire system than, than what people are used to in their home countries, certainly from Afghanistan. So really on making sure that people have access to the medical resources and medical care and certainly understand, you know, everything from, you know, vaccination protocols to, to masking and, and really making sure that, that people are able to maintain that social distance. We have, you know, strong partnerships with the local departments of health, which are just tremendous. Also with um, out there with Roanoke Public Schools, who have just been, you know, just tremendously helpful in making sure that our families and, and especially the young ones um, are, are well aware of the of the protocols that, that go into staying safe from, uh, especially in this COVID-19 landscape. Um, so there, there's certainly an extra layer um, of, of consideration for, for all of us these days and, and really making sure that our, 
the folks that we're serving understand what those protocols are, understand how the local community is responding to COVID-19, where those hotspots and risky areas are and making sure that people take are taking appropriate precautions um, is, is all a part of our effort from day one. You mentioned um, more refugees are expected to um, come through uh, Virginia in particular, and even perhaps in Southwest Virginia. Do you have a timeline for that and uh, an estimation of how many more folks will be coming through the state and then f- filtering through Southwest Virginia? Yeah, so so we don't really have a strong understanding of the of the, of the exact numbers. You know, we we we're certainly you know are telling our partners that we're available to assist um, and, and certainly can have some additional capacity. Um, so our, our understanding is that the 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 effort right now to process individuals, um, which that's largely happening on the military bases here in Virginia, Fort Lee and, and Fort Pickett primarily. There are some other bases in other parts of the country that people are being processed at. Our understanding right now is that that is going to last probably through mid-February and, and hopefully will wind down. And so that will be when the, the last um, last groups of people who are uh, were evacuated from Afghanistan will finally start to kind of come through our, our local offices. So again, we don't have exact numbers. Um, we do have some additional capacity, so we are hopeful um, and we're communicating that to our partners um, who, who help kind of steer people uh, to their home communities. But again, you know, a lot of the ultimate resettlement effort, you know, the, the, the final destination is typically due to having a family tie or a strong connection with a local community. So all the people that we'll be supporting there in Roanoke, here in Richmond and Newport News will typically have that family support in addition to the support of Commonwealth Catholic Charities and of course, you know, a, a, an open and hospitable community. If you're just now joining us here on the WDBJ 7 Plus Digital News Desk, my guest is the CEO of Commonwealth Catholic Charities, which has been working to help resettle Afghan refugees who evacuated several months ago. Um, we are talking about some of the uh, things that they are receiving upon arrival and some of the challenges that still exist for the refugee population coming to our communities. Um, Roanoke is no stranger to resettling refugees. We have a huge Bosnian uh, population in Roanoke, um, you know, that filtered through several years ago. Um, When it comes to particularly the refugee resettlement program, through Commonwealth Catholic Charities. Are there any other groups of uh, people who, I'm sure the Afghan refugees who evacuated have certainly taken up uh, the majority of your resources, but is there anything else that you guys are watching or any other refugee resettlement efforts uh, that, that you've really been uh, working on? Sure, so we, we know that the, the, the refugee resettlement program is, is really um, kind of getting back to the, to the place where it was um, in you know, 2015 and 2016. So we're seeing a lot of activity. Um, and we're being notified and we're being asked to really ramp up our capability and our capacity to make sure that we're prepared to start serving larger numbers of people than we really have over the last three or four years. Um, so, you know, in terms of where those those people are going to be coming from and, and, and ultimately um, how many, you know, still, again, we, we don't really have a strong sense. Um, but every message that we're receiving is that the refugee resettlement program is going to kind of go back to the levels um, that we've seen historically, I think on average, uh, nationally, we'll accept anywhere from 90,000 to 100,000 of refugees every single year. Um, and of course, because of the longstanding history of the work that we have done there in Roanoke, we certainly have a large number of refugee communities, which makes it more likely that that family reunification will happen in the future.
My last specific question is, uh, you mentioned some of the ways in which the community has been working to uh, kind of fill in the gaps and the volunteers who have stepped up. And you mentioned some of the needs were for housing as well as for employment. If there are folks in our community who say, well, I can't necessarily offer housing and I can't necessarily offer employment, but there, I would like to do something. Is, is, sure. Are there efforts that individuals can contribute on a smaller scale that would be helpful? And, you know, one of the, and I should have mentioned it when we were walking through some of those pictures that, that you were showing, you know, one of the things that we've done that's been really creative and we think that has really helped is we've been able to identify very, very targeted and specific needs that particular families have. That picture right there, you see the Amazon boxes. So we have wish lists on our website where you can go to cccofba.org slash wish lists, and you'll be directed to by office. What are the specific needs um, that our clients, the, the people that we're resettling have right now. So you can go on there and you can buy a fresh set of linens um, and have that directed to our office so that we can move it directly into an apartment for a, for a newly arrived refugee family. So we think that that's a terrific way that, that people have really been able to uh, support the work is through those wish lists, um, really match you know, their desire to be of assistance to a very, very real and specific need that we have right now within one of the, the families that we're serving. Um, we're always in need of volunteers. Those volunteer opportunities are on our website. Again, we doing everything from kind of longer term mentoring with some of the young people um, to kind of one-off opportunities to help us move people into apartments. So we kind of have a broad spectrum and array of volunteer opportunities. Again, they're listed on our website. And, you know, we're always, we're always in need of financial donations to really help us, you know, get people through that little extra, um, you know, that, that little extra bit that some of the funding resources that we have don't, don't provide for. So um, those are all great ways that people can assist the, the wish list by volunteering or by supporting us financially. All of that you can take a look at by visiting our website, www.cccofva.org. And we will be sure to put those links not only in the comments on our Facebook live stream, we'll also make them available on our website as well. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for joining me this morning. We appreciate awesome. your time. Thank you so much for having me. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. I'm Leanna Scacchetti. Our editor is Ben Raquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive. Because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.